Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. Well, isn't it a great day to be a church? Yeah. I want to, uh, before I introduce our speaker for this morning, uh, just give you a quick update um, about one of your teams that went out from Salem Heights this last week. There was a crew uh, that went down to the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas. Um, One of our goals as a church over this next season is to be able to give uh, three gifts to the city, and one of those is counseling that would be near people for free. And there was a team of folks from our church uh, that undertook, they raised their own funds, they paid their way to go down, uh, 26 from our church, uh, over 30 that uh, came from this area that are associated with our ministry, went down to that area uh, to get training in counseling, um, how to minister to people that are hurting. And I don't know if you've seen the news lately, but there's a lot of folks uh, who are hurting, overwhelmed. It seems like we have kind of a a hot button on-off switch, right? We're either docile or angry. And this is a group of people who, on their own, have undertaken uh, to, take, to get training, uh, to find out the best ways possible to administer the gospel in a hurting world, uh, to be a blessing to their neighbors. It was an awesome thing. You'd be proud of those folks. They went uh, for days, uh, morning till evening. They were in trainings. Their brains were full. They were walking zombies by the time they were done. But on their way back, they've come back. Uh, the, the joy that they had, the way that they ministered to each other and others, you'd be proud of. But I'm excited to see what God is doing in our church and what he's going to do in our community through people who have said, we'll take the cost. Uh, we want to bless our people uh, in this city for free. Um, they're doing it. And folks, in this congregation, you're probably sitting next to one of those saints this morning. So we need to praise God for folks that are willing to go and get ready. This morning, we're going to hear uh, from a friend of mine, uh, Reed, and uh, Reed, every single time I shared with this uh, first uh, service, shared with the folks this verse, every time I think of you, I think of this verse. It says in Galatians 1, uh, the Apostle Paul, speaking to a group of people who had heard the gospel and then began to drift from it, it says this, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. And then the Apostle Paul here doubles down on that statement. He says, as we have said before, I say it to you again, if anyone's preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, a curse be on him. He's making a statement. The gospel is preeminent. Amen? There's no, other, uh, there's no other thing that can save you. We don't add something to the gospel to make it more effective, to make it more useful. It doesn't change with the culture. The same truth that Jesus saves is the truth that saves every single person. There's not a higher tier or level of salvation that you can attain. It's one gospel for everyone. Amen? Here's the thing that I've appreciated, Reed. All of these years, uh, you've had one string on your banjo, all right? And that has been evangelism. You are sharing the gospel, the same gospel, two folks from the beginning. It has always been the exact same. And I'm thankful for that. Would you guys welcome Reed Saunders? 
Thanks, man. I love you, brother. Yeah, let me pray for you. Yeah. And, uh, We'll let you preach. Father, we just ask that uh, you would remind us of not just the gospel, the fact that Jesus alone saves. Uh, It's not a mechanism. It's not a group. It's you. Uh, You are the one that saves. And I pray, Father, that as we're reminded of that, we would be thinking about those around us that need the gospel. Help us uh, not only to entrust ourselves to you, but to go out with that gospel to our friends and neighbors, to share with a lost and hurting world the truth, that there's peace in Christ. And I pray that you'd help Reed as he preaches. Father, help us to hear those things. Be reminded of them. For some in this room, uh, Father, I pray that they would respond to the gospel for the first time today. And I pray that you'd be glorified by the way that we follow through. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. I should love and appreciate you. You appreciate Pastor Justin. Isn't he a great guy? Well, I want to say good morning to my family at Salem Heights, Carmen, Asa, Miley, and Tobin, our whole family's here, and we just want to say we love you and thank you for all of your support. Serving Jesus together, today is the day of the Lord. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I've got some good news as I start things out this morning. I've been looking for that next generation of evangelists, and I found this cutie in Pakistan. There she is. Kind of mimic me. You'll see the next picture. She's kind of modeling me there. She's so cute. She's so sweet. Anyway, when I think about mimicking, two people I've modeled and mimicked over the years are Billy Graham and Luis Palau. And the story is told where Billy Graham one day was in an area doing a crusade, and he had to mail a letter to the post office. For those of you under 20, 25 maybe, we used to actually have to write letters and mail them off. And so he was trying to find the post office, but he couldn't find it. So he saw this little boy on the side of the road, and he pulled over, and he said, little boy, tell me where's the post office? And the kid's like, well, you take a left here, right at the, at the gas station, you'll head right into the post office. Billy Graham's like, great, thank you. He's like, tell you what, kid, I'm preaching at a crusade tonight over at the arena, and I'm going to talk to you about how you can get to heaven. You should come. The little boy's like, not a chance. Why would you tell me how to get to heaven when you can't even tell me how to get to the post office? <laughs> right? But we know the way to heaven, don't we? It's through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In the first service, we had about seven people give their lives to Christ. So praise the Lord, huh? And so I want to show you some highlights of how God's been moving because we're a team. So many of you pray, and I consider you guys family here at Salem Heights. And so I want to give you some encouragement about what God's doing around the world. But first, I want you to say this word with me. Say urgency. urgency. Okay. I believe this is a time of urgency here in Salem, America, and around the world where people are asking this question, is there God and does he care about me? I believe the fields are ripe for harvest and we need to get out there and share Jesus. This was Hanoi, Vietnam this past December. This was truly historical. This was the very first time the government of Hanoi or Vietnam has given a permission, if you will, permission to preach publicly the gospel by a foreigner. This is the very first time they've ever done that. And here we are preaching the gospel. Over 10,000 people are there. It'd be like our Central Park in New York. Thousands of people came. There's a pastor who'd been there for about 50 years pastoring. He was literally dancing on the stage because he never thought there'd be a day like this in Hanoi. And as I stood up there to preach, I was so humbled. I was thinking about all the missionaries, like the missionaries that brought the gospel to the shores of Da Nang many years ago. I think about the history between our two nations, the war, all that's taking place between America and Vietnam. And I thought, isn't this a beautiful picture of the cross? of redemption, 
that the very first foreigner the government would allow to preach a gospel of peace, a gospel of good news and faith and trust in Jesus Christ, wasn't a Canadian, wasn't a German, and was an American. And I think that is what God's doing around the world. It's phenomenal what God did in Hanoi. But when I think about friends bringing friends to Jesus, which is a message I'm going to share today, I want to, a lot of times you see all these crowds and you hear about all the people coming to Christ, but it's really about the individual, right? Every person matters to God. And so here's a young man that was with us in Hanoi. So he was a guy, the young man, he was a Buddhist. He was struggling, trying to figure out his purpose in life. He was wondering, is there God and does he care about me? And this young man had some friends and their friends were like, listen, Someone's going to be preaching the gospel publicly at this park. It's never happened before. This would be a great opportunity for us to get our friend to Jesus. So they bring this young man to come. He hears the good news of Jesus, that Jesus died on the cross for his sins and rose again from the grave. And this young man right here put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He went from death to life through faith in Christ. This is our new brother in Christ in Hanoi, Vietnam. Pretty exciting, huh? The next slide, you'll see we were also in Ho Chi Minh City. I think, oh, you were past it. That's fine. So what we did throughout Vietnam was exciting. In fact, it wasn't even our schedule, but our, this was downtown Ho Chi Minh City, formerly Saigon. So pretty amazing to be able to preach the gospel. I think in total, it was like 30 or 40,000 people we shared the gospel with in a communist country. Isn't that what God can do, right? When the world says no, God says go. Guys, you can do it, right? Very exciting. So our board, we came up with a strategic plan. We're going to go to places that have 15% and under. Why 15%? Well, everything we do is with, for, and through the local churches because Jesus didn't call us to make decisions, calls us to make disciples, right? So we don't go anywhere unless the local churches invite us and that they commit to two years of following up on those that make commitments to Christ. So 15%, enough for people to follow up, but it's unreached enough where I like to go where no evangelist has gone before. So God opened the door for us to go here to Vietnam. In fact, it's so fruitful that we're going back this year to go back to Hanoi to preach the gospel. We're also going to go to Da Nang, and then we're going to look at like three or four years more of going into Vietnam. Because when God opens the door, you got to get through it. Another area, I'm going to show you from Paraguay. This is one of my favorite trips. This was Paraguay down in South America. And this area was the second largest trash heap, I guess, in all Latin America, second to only Guatemala. And this area is very dangerous. About 20,000 people live in this area. They'd never had a festival or an outreach in the city or the dumps because it's so dangerous. And I remember when I was up there praying, our team was up praying over the, over the area. You go up high in the city and you could see the garbage dumps and trucks jumping all this trash. It was kind of coming up with dust and dirt and debris. And God was reminding me, Reed, you may see trash, but I see treasures. You may see trash, but I see treasures. Just a reminder that every person matters to God. And when we got there, people were like, you're crazy. You're actually going to do an outreach in this area? The locals were like, we won't even go down in there. It's too dangerous. I was like, what if I got myself into a kid? Anyway, but this is exactly where I said, this is where Jesus would be hanging out. This was the drug dealers. This was the prostitutes. This was the gang leaders. And three-fourths of the whole population of the dump came out to hear the good news of Jesus. And many of them gave their life to Christ. Isn't that exciting? And it's just, yes, it's just a reminder that every person matters to God. Okay, let me give you another one up here. This was our up tra- trip to Pakistan. So Pakistan is crazy. It's so dangerous. In fact, we had to have this area outside to keep people from car bombing. You know, you got people coming in trying to, we had over 50,000 people in two nights. So we had to be very careful about some terrorists coming in. So we had to build a wall around the festival. The first night, so many people came, we had to literally break down the back and extend another three to 5,000 for more people to come. 
Why? Because people are hungry. And I just want to tell you, God is moving in the Muslim world. It's so encouraging to see what God's doing in the Middle East. So in Pakistan, 1.5% believers in a country of 220 million. People are so hungry. So you see the crowds, but let me bring it home to the individual. I've got a couple testimonies up here. This young woman, she was, talk- she was a Muslim. She was brought by a friend. She shows up. She's talking about how her life has changed now because of Jesus. I gave my life to him. I'm committed to him new. Amen. And notice the exclamation mark on him. So when you're a Muslim and you come to Christ, a lot of Muslims, they, well, Muslims believe that Jesus was a prophet, right? So when I'm preaching, I talk about Jesus being more than a prophet. You know, he's God. He's the son of God. He's the savior of the world. And so when people come to Christ, they leave everything else and trust Jesus alone as the Lord and Savior. I make that very clear when I'm leading them. So this woman, by saying him, is basically saying, Jesus Christ alone is my God and my Savior and my Lord. Very encouraging. Here's another testimony. Uh, Typical here in America, around the world, a lot of people are broken with drugs, alcohol. Let me just say this. I found in my own sphere of influence, the people I share the gospel with right here in my Jerusalem and Salem, whether I'm at the gas station, the gym, or, you know, grocery store, I would say eight out of 10 people that I talk to are open hearing about Jesus. Now, do they all give their lives to the Lord? No, but are they open? Yes. And you think about the world we're in today, right? The shootings even in Dallas yesterday, some more even today I saw between services. Our world is so broken and people are longing for hope. They're longing for purpose. So here's this guy that says, I was you know, in drugs, I was broken. But he says, now my life is fully changed because he gave my life to Jesus. So cool. This next slide, I talk about urgency, right? Getting our friends to Jesus. But the reality is so many people urgently are looking for hope. They're urgently looking for purpose. They're looking for love. This woman traveled two hours to get to our festival in Pakistan. Two hours. Because she knew that Jesus was the only hope. So this young this woman said, I heard the Bible message. Not only did Jesus heal me physically, but he also changed my life. I was empty inside. I was hopeless. Now I have shalom, peace, and faith in Jesus. Isn't that exciting? So these are our new brothers and sisters in Christ from Pakistan. And we're going to be going there. We were in Karachi last year. We were in Hyderabad, Pakistan this year. And we'll be in Lahore, Pakistan next year. So we're going to keep going. Uh, God is opening doors. We're working in Turkey, uh, United Emirates, uh, Japan, and uh, Saudi Arabia. So a lot of these areas, we're trying to get in there and share the gospel. And God is opening the door. It's just amazing the favor we're finding. Okay, one more here in the Middle East of good old uh, Bethlehem. So we did outreaches in Bethlehem. Jericho and across the West Bank just a few weeks ago. My whole family was with me. It was amazing. This is right here in Bethlehem. In the walls of Bethlehem was this home. And the woman in the front there with the kind of gray light uh, sweatshirt was a Muslim. She gave her life to Jesus. And I think about like Matthew who came to Christ and threw a party, right? Or Philip and Nathaniel, the come and see approach. So this woman came to Christ and she's like, hey, I want all my friends to hear about Jesus. So she invites about seven or eight of her Muslim uh, friends to come. And I felt like this is where Jesus would be hanging out, hanging out in a home. We had a meal together and just shared the good news of Jesus. And this woman was testifying about, hey, Jesus changed my life. He gave me hope. He gave me purpose. And just like Jesus changed my life, he can change your life too. And so we shared the good news of Jesus and all seven of her friends gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And that was right there in Bethlehem. Pretty exciting, huh? Pretty amazing. So really have a heart to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So finally, I want to encourage you with this picture from the harvest fields. 
We took this here and right there in Pakistan, getting ready for the wheat field. And it just reminded me where Jesus says, I tell you, open your eyes and look, the fields are ripe for harvest. And how are they ripe for harvest? This next picture shows in Pakistan, the fields are ripe for harvest around the world and right here in Salem. In fact, we're taking a team from Salem Heights next year to Uruguay, South America. Jonah's running a table back there. If you're interested in coming with us from Salem Heights and with RSA, you can fill that out and visit the table at the end. Well, I am so excited. I want to ask you this question. Do you believe that 2023 can be the year of evangelism? Do you believe that God can bring a revival from Salem to America to the ends of the earth? Are you with me, Salem Heights? Do you believe that? I do. I do. And so I have two questions for you this morning. Question number one, who do you know that needs Jesus? And question number two, what are you going to do about it? Who do you know that needs Jesus? What are you going to do about it? Now, when it comes to sharing the gospel, I still remember this to this day. I came to Christ when I was 17. I had a lot of friends that would go to church, that would go to youth group, that would go to church camp. And not one of them, not one of them ever told me about Jesus or even invited me to an event. And I thought, what kind of friends are these? If they loved me, they wouldn't keep it to themselves, right? And you and I have the greatest news of all, how people can have their sins forgiven, how they can have peace with God through faith and trust in Jesus. But why don't we share it? I think one of the reasons why is we have fear, right? Fear of not knowing the answers, fear of rejection. But I would challenge you or offer this up this morning is one of the reasons why we aren't effective sharing the gospel is because we're not operating the right power or the right strength. You know, when Paul said in Philippians 4, 13, he didn't say I can do all things through Paul who gives me strength. He says, through Christ who gives me strength. And so often when it comes to sharing the gospel, we rely on ourselves, right? We plug into ourselves. But you can see there's no power, right? We're like, okay, I got to have the right words. I got to lead people to Jesus. No, God saves. Say God saves. saves. Say we share. share. God saves. saves. We We share. So where do we get our power to share the good news of Jesus? It comes from the Holy Spirit, right? Acts 1.8 says, but you receive power. Say power. Power. You receive power. Dynamis, the Greek word for dynamite, literally, which I love that picture, how God powerfully explodes in and through us as we share the good news of Jesus. And then how the Spirit of God powerfully blows up that wall, that blindness in people's hearts as they see and put their faith and trust in Jesus. But you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We got to remember that, that the Spirit of God works in and through us to share Jesus. And I really believe it all comes out of our love relationship with the Lord. So I'm going to give you an illustration about effectively sharing the gospel, how it works. It's called what I call the vertical becomes horizontal. So put your arm up here. Here's the vertical, right? And this is what sets apart Christianity from all the religions, is God reached down to us through Christ. John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So our response is to put our faith and trust in Christ and turn to that love relationship with him. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll be what I command. Well, what has he commanded us? This is when the vertical becomes horizontal. So make the cross there, which is pretty cool. It'll help you remember. The horizontal, Jesus, Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the good news to all of creation. Got that? So there's the cross, right? It's a love relationship. Like Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, he says the love of Christ compels us. And I say this all the time, evangelism is simple. Fall so deeply in love with Jesus, you can't help but tell others about him. I love talking about my wife and my kids. So when you have that deep relationship with Jesus, you realize that heaven and hell is in the balance. You really believe and realize that if you care, you'll share. 
you'll love people enough to tell them about Jesus. I love this quote from Billy Graham. He said this. He said, the evangelistic harvest is always urgent. The destiny of men, women, and of nations is always being decided. He said, every generation is strategic. We're not responsible for the past generation, and we cannot bear full responsibility for the next one, but we do have our generation. God will hold us responsible as to how well we fulfill our responsibilities to this age and take advantage of our opportunities. That's why today's the day of salvation. So the sense of urgency, I want to look at God's word, Mark chapter two, about friends bringing friends to Jesus and apply this how you and I can get our friends to Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me if you would to Mark chapter two. I'm going to read verses one through 12. Mark chapter two, verses one through 12. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he'd come home. They gather in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Verse four, since they cannot get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Notice verse five, when Jesus saw their faith, this is the faith of the friends. So I ask you, do you think Jesus cares about the people you and I know that need him? You bet. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. I love this passage from God's word. Friends bringing friends to Jesus. Now, while Jesus was in Capernaum, he probably stayed at Peter's house. A Palestinian house had a flat roof that was accessible to an outside staircase. Many of their homes had that. So you can see how they got up. And the roofs were more branches with mud and thick clay. So you can see how they were able to, to dig through the, the house. Now, the condition of the paralytic is not described. But I imagine there's such a case of urgency. And these friends have been hearing the story about Jesus. They've been hearing how Jesus had made the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. And these friends realize the only hope for our friend is to get him to Jesus, even if it means going through the roof. Are you willing to get your friends to Jesus, even if it means going through the roof? So three things I want to share with you. People ask me, first of all, read, what do I need to do to start sharing the gospel? I say three things, pray, pray, and pray. So friends, pray for their friends. Say pray. pray. Now, do you believe that when we pray, God moves? Yes, when we pray, God moves. The scriptures don't say that the friends prayed for their friend, but I imagine that they did. And we got to understand that there's a spiritual battle, right? The enemy does not want to see your loved ones come to Jesus. But remember, as Romans 8 says, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And 1 John 4, 4 says, he was in us is greater than he was in the world. So we've got the victory. Jesus defeated the devil, death, and delivers from sins on the cross. He rose again from the grave. We've got the victory in Jesus. But there's a spiritual battle, so we have to pray. James says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says to pray without ceasing. 
Now, when you came in today, you got a card, right? Pull this card out. And this is what I want to challenge you for the next 40 days. Write down the person, oh, the lady, my friend behind me was talking about how she needs more room. She has more people she's praying through. I love that. So there's more copies out there if you want to grab them. I love that. So write down the people that God's put on your heart. And I want you to pray two things for the next 40 days. So put this in your Bible or by your bed. But for the next 40 days, pray two things. One, that God will give them an open heart to respond to Jesus. And secondly, that God will give you an open door to share Jesus with them. This is something I pray every day. I pray for Bob. Now, how many of you have seen the movie, What About Bob? Let me see your hands, okay? It's my, my wife's Carmen's my father-in-law's favorite movie, What About Bob? So you know the story, right? Bill Murray, he's, he's got OCD, like me. You're like, Reed, you got OCD. Now it makes sense. As I'm boring a hole in the carpet up here. Sorry, you can charge me later, Justin. Sorry. <laughs> but right, he's got OCD and he's just, he's paranoid. He's just trying to take baby steps, right? Just baby steps out of the elevator, right? To get to Richard Dreyfuss, his, his therapist, baby steps. So one of the ways you can have baby steps in sharing the gospel is to pray this prayer, Bob. I do this every morning. So the B stands for burden. Say burden. Burden. Okay. If you want to have a burden for the lost, all you have to do is nestle up to the heart of our Savior. And think about Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. If you want a stirring, a burden for the lost, read Luke 15. The lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. That will give you the Father's heart for the lost. The fact the shepherd, Jesus, will leave the 99 to go after the one. Every person matters to God. So pray for B, a burden for the lost. I do this every morning. Oh, you pray for open doors or opportunities to share Jesus. It's amazing for me when I pray this Bob or pray every day for an opportunity to share Jesus, how God gives me an open door. I know you're thinking, you're an evangelist, of course. No, I'm just like you. I just want to be out in the harvest field sharing Jesus. So same thing, pray for open doors and opportunities. Thirdly, boldness. Say boldness. boldness. I love that. Be bold, right? Be bold ministries. I love those guys. Be bold for Jesus. Romans 1, 16 through 17. Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. So you pray for Bob every day. And like the movie, if they don't respond, you give them death therapy, right? <laughs> if you've seen that movie, you know that's funny. So that was very funny. Thank you. Anyway, so you pray for Bob. Anyhow. So let me ask you this question. How many of you have someone in your life that you're very close to that doesn't know Jesus? You see your hands, okay? Quite a few of you. Now, let me tell you a, a story. First of all, for me, believe it or not, it's easier to preach the gospel in Pakistan than it has been to my, for my own parents growing up. Let me tell you this. Okay. So I came to Christ when I was 17. Put my faith and trust in Jesus. I knew I wanted to spend my life doing what I'm doing now, you know, sharing the gospel of the world. It came from a very unchurched background. So I started praying for my dad. At 17, for nearly 30 years, I prayed for my dad every day. Just like I told you to pray on your cards. I prayed for God would give my dad an open heart and that God would give me an open door to share Jesus with my dad. Family can be difficult, right? And you may be thinking, man, you're an evangelist and you can't even lead your dad to Christ. <laughs> Let me tell you, I'm just like you. I get nervous when I share the gospel. It's hard with my family. You know, they always wonder like, you're crazy where you're going. Why do you do that? I mean, so... And Phil, for my parents, they got two kids. One's an evangelist and one's a lawyer. So don't use that joke. Don't use that joke. Anyway, I love lawyers. So anyway, but anyhow, so I pray for my dad every day for nearly 30 years. 
And my dad would never come hear me preach. Never wanted to hear me preach. So I remember one time when Tobin was younger, he's here, um, younger, he, I was speaking at an event in California, that's where I'm from. And Tobin's like, Grandpa, why don't you come hear Daddy preach? And my dad was like, no way, Tobin. I'm not gonna come hear your daddy preach because anytime I hear your dad preaching, I start to feel guilty inside. And I was like, hello, dad, conviction. Anyway. <laughs> so one time I was speaking actually here in Salem and my dad was gonna be in town and I, you know, I had no clue, I had no thought he'd ever show up to hear me speak. But Carmen invited him. If you know my wife, Carmen, no one can say no to Carmen. I mean, she's the sweetest ever. So she's like, dad, you know, who knows how many times you're gonna be able to hear Reed preach. I think you should come. I think it'd mean a lot if you showed up. And so she invited my dad and my dad said, yes. Yeah. So I'm up here preaching the good news. I had no clue my dad would be there. No clue at all. And I'm giving people an opportunity to receive Christ just like I did the first service and I'll do later today. And you know those moments you feel like you're like a mirage or you feel like this, you know, you're, you're hallucinating or something like that. I see my dad, I'm like, I'm like, it can't be my dad. And he's coming forward and he's got tears in his eyes. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Because I've only seen my dad try, cry twice. Once when my mom died. And secondly, when my mom left him after 30 years of marriage, which is another story. So my dad's coming down crying and I'm just in shock. And he comes up and he gives me this huge hug, <laughs> which is another story. He gives me this huge hug. And he says, Reed, I want you to know I'm proud of you. And the tears are just flowing. He's like, I've been spending my life running from God. But when I heard you talking about Jesus, that he loved me enough to die on the cross for my sins and rose again from the grave, it's like the light went on. And for the first time it made sense. And his smile got big. And he said, today I just gave my life to Jesus. And I'm so proud of you, son. And gave me this huge hug. I try not to cry. It's very emotional when I think about that. Yeah. So I share that with you. I'm an evangelist. I pray for my dad for nearly 30 years to come to know Jesus. I'm just like you. And there's many times I'll be open with you. I thought there's no way my dad's gonna come to Jesus. Remember, I'm an evangelist. There's no way my dad's gonna come to Jesus. But God kept reminding me, don't give up. I save, you share, God's reminding me. And I wanna remind all of you, my friends today, maybe you have a spouse, maybe you have a parent, maybe you have a kid, Maybe you have a grandkid. Maybe you have a dear friend, coworker, school, classmate. We never give up on people. Why? Because we never give up on God, right? And God can soften the hardest of hearts. So keep praying, keep believing, because with God, all things are possible. So friends, pray. Secondly, they plan. Say plan. The friends of the paralytic had plan A and plan A only. No matter what, we're going to get our friend to Jesus, even if it means going through the roof. Do you know that you and I, my friends, are God's plan A for taking the gospel to the nations from Salem to the ends of the earth? Do you realize that? There's no plan B. Jesus wants to use you and I. He said the fields are ripe for harvest, but he said pray for one thing, and that's workers. That's you, and that's me. And I want to tell you as your brother and friend that I need you, and you need me. You can reach people for Jesus in your sphere of influence, where you live, where you work, where you go to school, that I, the evangelist, or Pastor Justin, Pete, Matt, Steve, all the other pastors on staff can't reach. But God has strategically placed you, as the book of Esther says, for such a time as this, to be a light and a witness for Jesus in your Jerusalem, in your sphere of influence. But we gotta have a plan. 
First Peter 3.15 says, But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer. To everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Don't forget the last part. No one wants to be preached out. They want to be loved on. There's a big difference, right? All of you who are in relationships, you know, being married or family and friends, relationships take work. Same thing when through reaching people that don't know Jesus. They're going to have a wall up. They're going to think, and you just want to give me a one-minute witness and then throw me away. They want to be loved on. They want to build that relationship. Like Jesus hanging out with the woman at the well. No one else would do that. Or Jesus going and letting the sinful woman anoint his feet. No one else would do that. But you see, Jesus took time to be with people, and we, his followers, should do the same thing. So Colossians 4, 5 says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. I'm going to give you a couple tools that I use in sharing the gospel. The first thing is what we call the three-story approach. The three-story approach. So if you're having a gospel conversation with someone, this works for me all the time on planes. You start to hear their story. So people like to talk about themselves. So they talk about their story. And usually it volleys back to you. They usually say, well, tell me about yourself. So you go from their story to my story or your story. And this is where you simply share your testimony. People always say, Reed, I don't know if I'll have all the answers. I say, well, one thing people can't debate is your own story, how Jesus changed your life. So simply, it was just like Paul did before King Agrippa in Acts. He used his own story to share the gospel with King Agrippa. So three ways your testimony is what your life was like before you came to know Christ. When did you make that commitment for Christ? And how has Jesus changed your life since you followed him? So as you're sharing your story, Usually you can say, hey, do you have a story like mine if you don't know where they're at? Do you have a story like mine about knowing Jesus? And if they say no, you can take them to his story, right? Their story, your story, his story. And that's where you take someone simply to the cross. Share the good news of Jesus with them. And that's where you can share the hand of hope. I use this tool all the time. It works great. Kids, young people, adult, it all works. It's visual. It's great. So I'm going to teach you. Put your hand in the air like you just don't care. Come on, wave it out. All right, here's the hand of hope. So the thumb, God has made us for a relationship with him. Say that. God has made us for a relationship with him. Second finger, sin separates us from God. Say that. And there's verses for all these like John 10, 10, Romans 3, 23. And the third finger, Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the grave. Say that. Excellent. Fourth finger, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Say that. Last finger, would you like to begin a relationship with Jesus now? And if they don't respond, you just slap them with the hand of hope. Just kidding. Don't do that. I'm just kidding. Hopefully you can high five them. I don't want to get in trouble here. High five them. But sharing the hand of hope is a, is a great way to share the gospel. It's a great tool to lay out the gospel. And um, I've got, I can send it to you if you want. I've got verses to go with it. So I'd be happy to do that. So having a plan to share Jesus is so important because people are longing for hope and that's where you get to come in. So thirdly and finally, friends persevere to reach their friends. Persevere. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now I want you to imagine with me, you're the friends. So the condition's probably dire. They think, you know, we gotta get into Jesus. A body's pretty heavy. So they've been carrying their friend. Who knows how long they've been carrying their friend to get him to Jesus. It's Middle East, it's probably hot, maybe a little humidity, probably exhausted. They finally get to the house where Jesus is at and they instantly could be hit with discouragement, despair, or doubt. Have you ever had that in your life sharing the gospel? Have you ever been discouraged? Maybe in despair, like I was with my dad. Or maybe you doubt, like, God, can you really save this person? 
Can you really use me? They get there instantly. The place is packed. Like, look, there's so many people inside. There's people in the windows. The people sitting outside the house. It's so full. We could never get our friend of Jesus. And they could have given up. They can be like, all right, let's bring him tomorrow. But no, today's the day of salvation, right? How many of you have the spirit of God prompt you to share the gospel with someone and you talk yourself out of it? I've even done that. You know God wants you. Whoever is calling you, they need Jesus. So take the phone call. Anyway, that's God prompting you right there. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's right. <laughs> or give the phone to me. No, you can do it. Anyway, so <laughs> always be prepared. Anyway, <laughs> so where I was going. Anyway, so the point I'm trying to make here is that they could have been so discouraged and you feel that way too, right? The people that you're trying to share the gospel with aren't responding. You can be discouraged or feel doubt. But we've got to realize that today's the day of salvation, right? So these friends, they were innovative. They say, we got to do something. So can you imagine the conversation? These guys are like, you know what? Look, they've got the outside staircase. We don't know who lives here, but I got an idea. Let's go up. Let's tear open the guy's roof. There's no Aflac. There's no duck running around. I don't know what State Farm, I don't know what insurance there is in this time. But these guys go up and they tear open the roof of the guy's house. Now imagine you're sitting there listening to Jesus. You're like, awesome, this is amazing, right? Something hits you on the head. You're like, what's that? You look up, it's like, what? Oh, the roof is being torn open and his body's being lowered down. I love how verse five says, when Jesus saw their faith, Jesus is in the middle of talking and I believe he was touched to see that these friends, they had faith that they were gonna get their friend to Jesus, even if it meant going through the roof. And what did Jesus do? He healed the man physically and he healed the man spiritually. And that's our savior, right? Jesus sees the people in your life that need him. He died on the cross for them. He rose again from them, for them. Second Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. The son, some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. Every person matters to God. These guys went through the roof. And I want to ask you this morning, what are you willing to risk to get your friends to Jesus? Are you willing to go through the roof? <laughs> Are you willing to risk your life? Now for us in America, at least today, you're not gonna lose your life for sharing the gospel. You could lose your job. You could lose some friends on Facebook or likes on Instagram. But most likely you're not gonna lose your life. But when I think back to my friends that said they loved me, that played football, baseball with me, that would hang out with me, they go to church on Sunday. They go to youth group on Wednesday night, but not one of them ever brought me to Jesus. I think you and I are gonna be accountable for that someday. The people that God's put in our life that we haven't shared about Jesus. And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty unless the spirit of God's convicting you. But I wanna tell you from my heart to your heart that people are longing to hear the good news. The enemy has strategically, I believe, placed this lie in our heads with the thoughts that people don't want to hear about Jesus. That is simply not true. Like I said, eight out of 10 people I talk to are open to hearing about Jesus. We're seeing thousands and thousands of Muslims come to Christ, thousands and thousands of Hindus come to Christ. You saw the Buddhist friend who came to Christ from Vietnam. Jesus is mighty to save, and we're God's only plan A. For most people, they come to Christ, they go from death to life in Jesus, right? But many people who come to Christ can go from life to death sharing Jesus. Christianity released that in 2022, 2, no, 5,600 Christians were killed for their faith in 22 alone. And this is just the numbers of what they have. 
2,100 churches were attacked or closed because they're following Jesus. And you see a lot of that in places like Nigeria. It's very scary. More than 124,000 Christians were displaced because they followed Jesus and kicked out of their homes. What are you willing to risk? We started a TV ministry when the pandemic hit and I started preaching the gospel. We taped it. We showed it on Friday, Saturday, Sunday during prime time. Launched from Pakistan. It was translated and went into 80 countries. We partnered with Crew for follow-up. We worked with a lot of different house churches and God used it in a powerful way. And this guy's friend, I can't put it on screen for sake of safety, but this guy's friend, he's a Muslim Amman leader. His friend happened to watch the TV program. He hears me preaching the gospel. Spirit of God gets a hold of his heart. He turns from his sins. He puts his faith and trust in Jesus. He's got a new life. And he was testifying like 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, there's a new creation. The old life is gone. The new life has come. This guy was so excited that he came to know Jesus. He's like, I got such good news. I can't help but share it. It's like those lepers. Remember when they got all the goods and stuff from the army? They're like, we got to go tell the Israelites. This is the day of good news. Same thing for him. I got to tell my friend about Jesus. And this is his friend who was a Muslim cleric, a mon leader in the Afghanistan-Pakistan border. Sharing the gospel with a Muslim, dangerous in a Muslim world. Sharing the gospel with a Muslim mon leader, suicidal. Suicidal. The love of Christ compels us. He's like, I got to get my friend to Jesus. Not only did, if it means going through the roof, but if I risk my life. So he comes up to his friend. He says, listen, you and I have been friends for a long time. We've been Muslims for a long time. I happen to watch this TV program. He said, you know my story. I've struggled with a lot of things. And I was thinking there's got to be more to life. So I watched this TV program and they were talking about Jesus. But he's much more than a prophet. In fact, he's the son of God. He's the savior of the world. And he did something that no one else has ever done. He satisfied God's wrath for our sin. He was the lamb of God. He died on the cross. He rose again from the grave and he changed my life. And for the first time in my life, I finally have hope. I have purpose. I'm a changed man. And when I received Christ and I have this new life, I knew I couldn't take it, keep it to myself. I knew I had to tell you, even though I knew I could risk my life sharing the gospel with you. But Jesus loves you. He can change your life. Here's what you can do. Here's the times of the TV program. You can watch it in your home. No one else is going to see you watch it. But just come. Come hear about Jesus. So he invites his friend. This guy watches the TV program. And he puts his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. When this Muslim Amman leader came to Christ, our team on the ground there had literally put him and his friend in a safe house for several weeks because the Taliban put a bounty on his head and the head of his friend, you know, Muslim coming to Christ, sharing Christ, Muslim Amman leader coming to Christ. It's like death, right? So they put a death threat on his head. But today we have two new brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think about this man that was willing to risk his life to get his friend to Jesus. What about you? What are you willing to risk? There's people here, right here in Salem, in your home, in your neighborhood, that are asking this question. They see the news, the shooting that took place in Dallas yesterday and happens again somewhere today. You think about the wars. You think about inflation. 
You think about all the loneliness that's skyrocketing in America, all the suicide, and you're asking this question. People are asking this question. Is there a God and does he care about me? Am I here for a purpose? Does God even have a plan? The fields are ripe for harvest, and that's where you, the worker, come in and say, yes, there is a God who loves you and cares about you. In fact, I got good news. Let me share that with you. Who do you know that needs Jesus? And what are you going to do about it? Today is the day of salvation. We're going to pray, we're going to plan, we're going to persevere to get our friends to Jesus because he alone is the savior of the world, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, our mighty savior, Jesus. Let me pray. I want you just to close your eyes and bow your heads right now. And I just want you to take a moment to pray for the people that God has put on your heart this morning. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's a friend. Whoever that is, pray that God will give them an open heart and that God will give you an open door to share Jesus with them. Let's do that for a moment. But maybe you're here today, like we saw in the first service, and you're like that friend that was brought here this morning. You're here and you're longing for purpose and a reason to live. You know, the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates his own love towards us in this, in this that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again. And the Bible says, when you simply come by faith and say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sins, but I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and to rise again from the grave. And simply by faith, you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your savior and Lord. The Bible says all of your sins are forgiven. You have a personal relationship with God, not a religion, a relationship. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in your heart to help you live for Jesus. And you can be sure when you die, you go to heaven as opposed to hell. And you have the joy of knowing and following Jesus the rest of your days. So this morning, I believe that God has spoken to many of your hearts and you can go from death to life through faith and trust in Jesus. The Bible says in John 1, 12, yet to all receive them, Jesus, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So if God has spoken in your heart this morning, you want to begin a fresh start, a new life in Jesus, I'm going to invite you to say this prayer with me. This prayer is not what saves you, it's your faith and trust in Jesus that does. Believe in the died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the grave where you repent, you turn from your sins and trust Christ, believe in him as your Savior and Lord. I'm going to lead you in a prayer to do that right here, right now. So in the quietness of your heart, you can surrender your life to Jesus. Let's pray. Pray with me. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sins. But I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and to rise again from the grave. Come in my heart and life, Lord Jesus. Forgive me of all of my sins. Thank you for giving your life for me on the cross, Jesus. Now by faith, I give my life to you. From this moment on, use my life for your glory. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Now with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just pray with me to begin a new life in Jesus, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand on the count of three, okay? 
One, two, three. Just lift up your hands. Thank you. I see your hands here in the back. Hands over here as well. Thank you. I see your hand over here too as well. Anyone else? Thank you. I see your hand over here in the side in the back. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Praise the Lord. Now, I'd like all of you to open your eyes right now. The Bible says in Luke 15 that when a savior, sinner comes to know the Savior, the angels in heaven celebrate. So if the angels in heaven can celebrate, I think we should celebrate right now for our new brothers and sisters in Christ. So praise the Lord, huh? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.